0: Merry Christmas, happy birthday Jesus. If you're a guest with us today, my name is Al, I'm one of the pastors here. It's an honor and privilege to to preach God's word. What we typically do is go verse by verse through books of the Bible. We've been studying the first two chapters of the book of Luke, examining the, the events surrounding the birth of Jesus, and here we are today celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the most famous person in all of human history, he's the most important person in all of human history, and so we're going to look at his birth account today. If you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hands, whatever ushers will bring you one. If you don't own one, this is our gift to you. Take it, keep it as a gift. It's about Jesus, who's the greatest gift, who we're going to talk about today, and so if you will turn with me and look at Luke chapter 2, it we'll be on the screen. Uh, we're going to pick up at verse 1. Well, I'm reading 1 through 7, and then I'm going to come back and explain some of what's going on here, and then we'll keep going. All the way through verse 20 today, but uh, Luke chapter 1 verse or sorry chapter 2 verses 1 it says in those days there was a a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when uh, Cornelius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. So Joseph went from Galilee uh, up from Galilee uh, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laying him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, some of you grew up in church. You hear this. You're like, this. these are events that you know about. You, you've heard about you, you know the Christmas story, and it's just information to you. And I want to unpack this today and hope that it would not just be simply information, but it would be transformative information for us today. And so it starts, this is Jesus' birth story. It's told by a man named Luke. If you remember why Luke wrote the book of Luke and Acts, he wrote it to a man who was, who was either a non-Christian, uh, or a new Christian to either convince him uh, to be a Christian or to strengthen his faith. So some of you in here today need your faith strengthened. Some of you today may be questioning the claims of Jesus, and you don't know if they're accurate or true. Let me tell you this. Luke, who wrote this book, was a, a medical doctor. He did evidence-based practice, that was his big deal. If it wasn't true and he couldn't find evidence to corroborate a story, he would not put it in the Bible. So big things like virgin birth would seem to a medical doctor to be impossible, because they were, unless God interviewed. And so this account that Luke is telling, he's going to give us some specific details. The first detail he gives us is that, that this, there was a decree that went out by a man named Caesar Augustus. This is Augustus, who is the Caesar, the, the, who he would be called the Lord of the, the land uh, in the Roman Empire at this time. This is important for us, and the reason why Luke tells this in this way, is so that we would be convinced uh, that it's true, because we can now go back historically, look at a time, a timestamp in history when, uh, when uh, Augustus was the Caesar in the Roman Empire. Uh, moreover, he tells of this census that was uh, uh, what that happened, his first census, and so this decree goes out. By the top dog ruler of, and this was the this was a time period. We get to see this time period, and so Luke is particular because he wants us to understand that these events just didn't just didn't just happen, but they happened historically, accurately, purposely, because God is accurate and purposeful. And so we see that that Mary and Joseph have to go because of the census to a place in town called Bethlehem, and so they're going to travel. Pregnant. Imagine this, you're pregnant, and you're gonna travel by foot or by donkey or by you know some slow moving uh, uh, you know mammal uh, to get you a hundred miles. 100 miles. And, and they have to because there's a there's a census done by the government, like they don't have any choice in this house. And so they're going to this town of Bethlehem, we've got the timestamps what Luke has told us. For the accuracy. Now we have the location, the specific location, Bethlehem, and why they were going there is because Joseph, uh, Jesus' adopted father, he was going, He's from the line and lineage of David, and so that's where, when those are from, those people were from this, this this particular lineage you need to go to this particular city, Jewish city, in order to be registered. So that's the context. Now, many of us will now read this and go, the reason why they went to Bethlehem was because there's a census. And to a degree, you're right. But if you'll look with me, it'll be on the screen, Ma- Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says this. This is a, an obscure prophecy from an obscure prophet, Micah. Uh, in chapter 5, verse 3, He says, But you, O Bethlehem of uh, Ephrathah, it, it, which is the name of the district that Bethlehem is located in, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth one who will be the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient Days. So what is going on here is actually the fulfillment of this prophecy dating all the way back to, to Micah chapter 5. This weird obscure verse that many scholars at the time, Jewish scholars, were were uh, they, they didn't act upon. We're going to see this next week that the, the Jewish scholars who knew this verse, they didn't act upon this. They weren't actually anticipating this. They were just like, this is an obscure verse. What does it mean? And what I want us to see this while Mary and Joseph are traveling to Bethlehem for the census, I want us to see that this is actually the reason why I'm heading to Bethlehem is a fulfillment of prophecy. It's greater than the, the, the governmental census. See, God had a design, and God's design was going to come to pass. See, what we while God is outside of time, he interacts in real time. So whatever you're going through right now, if you need God to intervene, he's capable, he's able. He actually is, he does, this is what he does, he interacts in real time. He doesn't just prophesy things from afar and then let's look and see if they play out. And hopefully man does the right things in order to make it work. No, God plans something and he acts in time to work out his plan. He uses mankind, however. He uses the census to get his people, Mary and Joseph specifically, to Bethlehem. So he's using, God is using the governing rulers and authorities to get them to this town of Bethlehem so that there could be this birth of Jesus not only does God open the womb, but he tells you when the baby's coming, and he's also going to determine the place that the baby is, is born. Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem according to the prophecy, but also by God's design, working in real time. This should give great comfort to the Christian. That you may think uh, that the government is in control. And, you know, they, they would have thought that, you know, like, hey, you're telling us what this is. You know, in our day and age, like, we're feeling more government pressure, more government control. You might think that the government is the absolute Lord and authority over you. Uh, But it's not. It never has been. Jesus, the King, the Lord, our Savior, he is the one who rules over us in real time. We see in Genesis chapter 51 that God even uses evil. He takes what man intends for evil and works it out for the good of his people. So even when there is oppressive ruling and and not ideal circumstances, and you look around you go, I don't really have an answer for why things are the way they are. Things feel very difficult. I want you to know that God is sovereign over those, and He's working out His plan, just like He's working through this this census to bring about the fulfillment of this prophecy, which is a fulfillment of a greater prophecy that began when God created Adam and Eve, and we sinned against God, and God said, through your seed, see the woman will become a savior. God's been working a plan for, for thousands of years up to this point. And even thousands of years since, to where we are today, God is working His plan to redeem His people. And so, if it's true that God is working, I even mean, even in spite of us, uh, I mean, some of you have you have real regrets. Like you have real regrets in your life. You have real failures, you have real shortcomings, you real discouraged. Then um, you you, you to understand that God's working even behind your foolishness and your fault. He's working behind your foolishness and fault. He can say in Genesis 51, what man intended for evil, what God intended for good, he can use your mess-ups so he can redeem them. He, he's still working behind the scenes for your glory and for your good. And some of us, some of you have come here today. It's Christmas. It's, it's holiday. You're celebrating. You have many reasons why you've come to church even today. Some of you are like, I came here because uh, it, it's Christmas. I want to be a family. That's awesome. But God has many other reasons why He wants you here today, namely to speak to you. So you might think that there's a census, uh, that because of the census, that's why. Oh, He just happened to be born in Bethlehem. No, this was predetermined. God wanted. God had foretold in Micah chapter five that through Bethlehem, in this obscure small city, rural city, would come the Savior of the world. This is why they're in Bethlehem. And, and, and because they're a census, there's the census there's a lot of people in Bethlehem. Which means that because uh, Mary and Joseph are poor, they don't, have the, they don't have a lot of money, and also they weren't there on time, uh, they couldn't get fast-tracked up, they didn't get first class to get there, they had a slow donkey, and they get there, and there's no room for them to stay. So pregnant Mary, just kind of show up to the possible that like, yeah, we're out of route, like, we're gonna go, let's find, where the horses, that's what and so Jesus is born in something more similar to a cattle stall. I want you to think about this. This is where Jesus, our Savior, is born. He's in, he, he says that we put him in a. she put him in a manger, wrapped him in swaddling cloths. For those of you who've never had a baby, that's just wrapping your baby. And just sometimes people, when you first read this and you've never had kids, you're just like swaddling cloths for the special, like it was just cloth that they wrapped. They swallowed him in. Like that's what it is. Like it's, uh, they wrapped him up tightly. And so, but they placed him in a manger, which is more important uh, because it was a feeding trough for animals. Like that's wild. Like there's no bed. There's just like a feeding trough, horse trough. Like that's where Jesus is at. He, so, think with we'll me for, for a moment. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Savior of the the, the universe is going to be born. Uh, he's born king, not to be a king. We've talked at length about this over there in our series. Jesus reigns. Is that he was born literally in time and real place, but in a in a posture in a position of great humility like he's born in a feeding trough for animals that's where he's placed this is complete humility complete lowliness if you think about the birth of a king you don't think about the king should be laying next to the animals if you, you, like sterile environment like probably not right it's pretty you're like i would never want to be my child born in a workshop like that's true good for you you're a good parent like, Mary, this wasn't her desire. This wasn't her design. See, Chris, the first Christmas that we're reading about didn't happen according to her plan. And perhaps this Christmas, things are not happening according to your plan already. Like, you had a plan, like, things aren't really working out according to your plan. And maybe not this Christmas. Maybe there's a, there's a, there's a Christmas of the past and a Christmas that's of the future that's going to happen. at some point in your life, there will be a Christmas that things happen that you did not plan. And they're they're not necessarily positive, they're maybe inconvenient, or they're not as joyful, or there's just something just not right about it compared to what you had hoped for. You think this, when Mary was told, hey, you're gonna have a baby, she thought, super awesome, kinda cool, probably got a hospital plan for this. Like that's probably in the plan. Like some sort of like midwife, you know, maybe still first century, but you know, better than the, the manger. Like she definitely wasn't thinking, I got it. It's gonna be a hundred mile journey, Pregnant me, and we're gonna go. We have to go to, because we've got to register ourselves, and they're gonna ask the, the government's gonna ask us all these questions. and How to we pregnant? Like, I really hope for the I hope they save us a horse straw. Like, that's what I hope for. It's not what she was hoping for. This first Christmas was not according to her plan. So, if you find yourself ever in a Christmas celebration, like, and things are going according to plan, it might be more like the first Christmas than any other Christmas that you've ever celebrated. Take heart. Take heart. Take heart. Like, there's a lot of reasons to be discouraged if you're married. There's a lot of reasons to be discouraged. Like, it just doesn't smell good. The animals are loud. Like, the baby's waking up. Like, it's just a thing. It's not ideal. So I want you to think about this, this, this reality of this matter. So God does things oftentimes in ways that we don't expect it. We see this here with the birth of Christ. And we need to understand, as the prophet Isaiah says, that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As the earth is from the heavens, so are his ways above our ways. His thoughts above our thoughts. And so Jesus is God in human flesh, the king of the world, entering literally through the womb of his mother, but he's entering in a a, a humble way, in, 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 in a manger, among the animals, literally, he is not only God in the flesh, putting on human flesh, but he's, he's identifying among us in our sinful state. He's enter- he's not sinful, but he's putting on, as the scriptures say, sinful flesh. He's entering a corrupt and broken world. That's what he's doing. I want us to see this. That our Savior is not the type of Savior that to bypass the troubles and hardships of life, but he willfully, purposefully enters into the messiness of human life. He in, he doesn't bypass the difficulties, but he experiences them and endures them purposefully. And so the notion some of us have heard the notion that if God is good, if God is so good, why would He allow suffering and evil and pain and hardship, you know, uh, in this world? And those thoughts are frivolous when you think about it in terms of how Jesus entered into the world. He entered into the world in the most humble way. He didn't bypass it, but he entered in the way humans enter into the world through the womb of a woman, but also in the, the lowest of low situations and circumstances. He didn't avoid it. He, he literally enters into the, the human history and embraces all the sufferings of the human experience, just like you and I. He doesn't... See, we live in a world today that talks about identifying as. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I am going to make the point. Like, we sometimes hear that, oh, well, someone identifies as, and you go, know, eh, whatever. Like, you, you have different feelings. Like, maybe you don't really understand. Maybe And there's this lot of arguing. Jesus didn't just come identify as a human. He was a human. He didn't just identify with the human experience. He literally experienced the human experience. He didn't just come to identify and be like us, but he was one of us. I need us to see this. Jesus is fully god And he's fully man, and in doing so, he doesn't look at human suffering and go, you know what, let me just jump in and just usurp the pain and fix it, but let me enter into the pain, experience it, so that then, through then, I can be the sympathizer to all those who are weak. I can enter into the human experience and and, and understand, not just understand intellectually, but experientially live out a a full human life which starts with a crazy birth story. And it's going to end with him being hung on a cross, being sold out, betrayed by his friends. He doesn't bypass human suffering, but he enters into it. And this is really, really, really good news. This is good news. It's good news of great joy. what we see here, that's what we see in verse 8 and 9, 8 through uh, 12. He says this, Good news of great joy in the same region. So while at the same time, there were shepherds out of the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, that, uh, that it will be for all the people, for unto you, is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign for you you will find him wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger the good news this is the good news of great joy jesus christ the lord is born the shepherds are out there watching their flocks and god shows up and to obscure people to give them a great some great news The news that Jesus is being born should always be accompanied by joy. So the angels show up. They're they're, they're pumped. God shows up to these shepherds by way of angels. I need you to understand shepherds are not like, if you've ever lived overseas or any time where there's like normal or like where shepherds are still a thing and it's not like farmland like we have here where there's like semi-nomadic people. Like shepherds are the weirdest bunch of people. Like, they are. they were weird here and they're weird now, and they will always be kind of an odd group of, of people. Uh, and really, because they just wander everywhere. They, like, have no home. They're, like, they're around animals all day, so, like, they're not really, they're usually, you know, dudes who aren't married. Like, they don't have, like, girlfriends and wives. That's why, because, like, they smell like animals. Like, I, just think about the dating situation there. Like, that's their best friends are animals, and they're just wandering everywhere. Like, that's their job. They don't have to report to any, like, they, what animals are just eating, so we're just playing. Like, and oftentimes, that sometimes shepherds would get into, because of this, like, slow, meandering lifestyle, shepherds would, like, get into mischief. Like, when I lived in Kenya, like, the shepherds were oftentimes, like, sometimes these people who were like, man, when they're near a city, they would get caught up in that, that drugs, alcohol, because, like, and they're doing nothing. Just, like, it would really be nice to hallucinate while you're looking at the stars. Like, that was their lifestyle. And so I'm not saying that's what these shepherds were doing. What I'm saying is the view of uh the the, the social construct and the, the norms of this day and age and likely shepherds were not a view in high regard. They're like, they're those semi-nomadic people who are kind of weird, they kind of smell, and they're kind of uh, they're awkward socially. They're just wanderers. They're, 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 there's, the, there's these vagabonds out there, you know, they're like these uh these guys, they really should get a real job. Like that's probably how they would have been viewed. I'm not saying that's how they were, and I'm not saying this anything about their character. But I'm just simply saying societal view of them was not in very high regard. Same is true in many other countries. And now, many would even consider sometimes the shepherds to be unsafe or, 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 or you know, maybe not the best to, to hang around. And so I want you to see this, that God is showing up to an unlikely group of people, the shepherds. Yes, we know that Jesus is the chief shepherd and he shepherds us like sheep because we're kind of crazy like sheep are. Like we don't obey anything. We smell. Like it's kind of similar. Like this is why Jesus is a shepherd. Like he he, 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 he we need shepherding. Jesus is our shepherd. But Jesus shows up to these people who socially are not the, the most uh, welcomed in society. I want you to see this. Jesus will come, overcome any social stigma, any obstacle to speak to you. This is what he is doing. He's showing up to, the. not only is Jesus himself experiencing the low, lowest of low at birth, but now, he, now God is showing up to bring the news to another lowly group of people. And, and, and the angel shows up and tells these, these, these shepherds about the birth of Jesus the King. And so I want you to, you personally to know, now you're like, whatever you've been through, whatever you think of yourself, whatever you've gone through, Whatever society may think of you, no matter what you think of yourself or what others think of you, God is not uh, ashamed to chase after you. That's what we see with, with the shepherds here. And so we live in a day right now where, where there's a lot of talk about who's naughty, who's nice, who's good, who's bad, like, right? Like, who are the people and who are the most deserving? See, the shepherds aren't deserving you and I are not deserving. There's no one no one who's going to be saved by Jesus who's really deserving. So what we see here is that this good news of great joy, as the scriptures say, will be for all people. At the end of verse 10, this is for all people. All types of people. That's what it's for. Even shepherds. Jesus' birth is for all types of people. Meaning anyone can come to Jesus. In, in, that Anyone can come to Jesus to be saved, no matter your background, your socioeconomic status, your your upbringing, your voting record. Like, come to Jesus. Anyone can come to Jesus, but there's no salvation apart from Jesus. Everyone must come to Jesus. See, Christianity is the most inclusive religion there is. It welcomes anyone. At the same time, it's the most exclusive religion there is because there's only one way. There's only one way. And so God is not not, not ashamed to show up to the shepherd and say, Hey, my son is born. He's the Savior of the world. He is, quote, Christ the Lord, and He's for you. He's for you. Go see Him. Go check Him out. He's in a horse trough, laying there, and some clothes on. And He says, This is good news of great joy. What is the news, though? Let's see this. What is the news of great joy? This is what he tells the the, the angels, tell the shepherds. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Okay, what's the news? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The news is that Christ is Lord. The Savior is born. This is the news that Christ, the Lord, is born, the Messiah. That's what Christ means. It's not Jesus' last name; it's it's, it's his title. Christ means Messiah, and, and Christ, the King, has been born. Go see him. Go worship him. Go celebrate him. Go to Jesus. That the the whole the angels are not saying, look, you know, being really excited. The angels showed up. They're like, no, we're just telling you to get out of here. Go to the real shepherd. Go to the real king. Go to the real Lord. Go to the real Savior. And see, this is the great news of Christmas that Christ, the Lord, was born. This is what we celebrate. This is what we commemorate. This is why we do so in a festive way with feasts and friends and fellowship and whatever else that we can find ourselves to do to celebrate this great king. Christ, the Lord, literally Christ, meaning Messiah, Savior of the world. Lord, meaning he's God. This is told, not just as an idea later where Jesus will claim to be God, but is foretold before he was born and at his birth that he is both Messiah, Savior, and Lord. Meaning he is the God and King. He's come to save. Why celebrate just the news of some religious hero. Like, just who cares about the birth of this guy if he's not the king? Who cares if he's the celebrate the birth of some Jewish man if he was not God? Who cares if he is not Savior? Who cares about his birth if he is not born? This is why later you'll we'll find out that next week that his birth shocks the Roman Empire and they put a hit out on his life to, to kill Jesus because he was not born to be a king. In fact, he was born actually a king. And this is what we see. He was born for that purpose, to be both Savior and Lord, Messiah and King. So this is the news. Go and see the Savior. Go and see the Messiah. Go and see Christ the Lord. And here's how you'll find him. You'll find him wrapped up in swaddling cloths. You'll see him lying in a manger. That's how you'll know there he is, Christ the King. But I want you to know that this news, just like they heard, they heard, here's how. Here's who he is, here's where he's going to be, and here's how to find him, like, that was news to them. That was simply news to receive or to reject, correct? Like, they could have just started, okay, weird, weird, some angel, we see weird stuff out here as shepherds in the night, like, we see weird stuff, but, like, it could have been just information to them. And so sometimes for us, we hear information about who God is and the nature, character, and work of Jesus and it's just information to us. We don't act on it. We don't do anything with it. And so what I want you to hear today in a very similar fashion that the news, that this is the news that Christ the Lord was born. That Christ the Lord lived in your place without sin. That Christ the Lord died a death in your place to save you from your sin. That Christ the Lord did not remain dead, but he's now risen victoriously, defeating sin, Satan, death in the grave. That's the news. That's the news. This the, the resurrection of Jesus proved that Jesus was not only God, but everything that he said was true, that he loves you and he gave himself for you. This is the news. The news was he began his life wrapped in swaddling cloth. Lying in a manger, helpless baby, embrace the fullness of humanity and full humility for you. The news is that he would end his life wrapped, not in swaddling cloth, but in grave clothes and placed not in a manger, but in a tomb. After being crucified, beaten, and murdered for you. And just like Jesus didn't stay in swaddling clothes forever... He would not stay dead, he would rise victoriously, defeating Satan, sin, death, and the grave on the third day. So when we examine the birth of Christ, we must understand that he was born for that purpose, to be Savior, to be God, to be King, to be your Savior, to be your God, to be your King. That's the news question is how do you respond to the news? How do you respond? Before we see the shepherd's response, let's look at the angel's response. To that. So like they tell news. this is, is awesome. You ever heard someone who laughs at their own jokes? It's weird. Like they're telling their own news and now they're going to worship with their own news. They're like, hey, let me, let me tell you about this also. we never break a song. It's kind of crazy. It's pretty awesome. it says this verse 13, they, they their response was worship and adoration, what we see this is suddenly there was an angel with an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts. So now there's the angel shows up, he talks, to, the, shares the news, and the news is so good, other angels show up, like they they leave their heavenly posts and they're like they just that angel just shared news about the birth of Jesus. Let's go, and they just like fly over there. And you gotta understand, angels are are like God's army in the spiritual realm. Like these are like fierce warriors, so like. Angelic Navy SEALs like flying over there. This is why people get afraid when they see them because they're like mighty hosts. Literally, when it says heavenly hosts, it means angel army. Yes. So a massive army of angels show up after they heard the news that Christ the Lord is born. And they're like, we're telling that news? Let's go party. And they show up and they say verse 14, glory to God in the highest. So they start bursting into song and then praising God. And, they, and they're in awe of God. They're in wonder of God. And they say, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those whom he has pleased. They're like, glory to his name. Ascribe worth to his name. This is what worship is. I mean, it's ascribing it's, it's the, the due worth to God's name. and saying, your name is worthy. It's glorious. It's awesome. It's, it says, quote, The highest. Your name is the highest. Let's praise of The angels, the army of angels, imagine the army of angels just like bursting out like a choir, praising God in adoration. The news of Jesus, the news of His birth, the news of His life, the news of His death on the cross in your place for your sins, the news of His resurrection the news of all the entirety of the person and work of Jesus should lead you to this type of adoration. This is why we sing songs at Christmas. Like, oh, come let us adore Him. If you re- sing these songs like they're just songs that you sing on Christmas. Like, oh, come, like this is the type of stuff we're talking about. Joining in with the heavenly host, praising the name of our God and King, adoring Him with great adoration. See, the difference between Satan and demons and angels, you want to know what the difference is? Because Satan and demons are just fallen angels. They're just, they're just rebellious angels. The only difference between Satan and demons and these angels here is who they worship. It's the only difference. See, Satan and demons are fallen angels, meaning they refuse to give glory to God in the highest. So for you today, I just want you to think about this. For you today, to not give glory, glory to God in the highest. When you hear of the news of Jesus, you are more like a demon than you are the angelic host. We don't join the sound of the triumphant or the losing, uh, want to be triumphant, or fallen angels, the demons and rebellious army against the Lord God. We join in the sound of the heavenly host. We join in the victors. We join in the good news, the celebration of the person and work of Jesus and ascribe worth and glory to his name. We celebrate, we worship, we adore him, we praise him for what he has done, what he will do, and what is to come. Jesus is returning. He's going to return with this group of angels, and they're going to be heavenly hosts, they're going to be an army, and they're going to lay waste to God's enemies because Jesus Christ is king. And so we have an opportunity to respond to the news of Christmas like the angels, like the demons, to worship. What's your rebel. And see, it says this: that it says they gave glory to God in the highest, and He they said, "On earth peace among those among those whom He has pleased." The question you should immediately ask is, "How is God pleased?" Immediately, you'll probably go to how you are pleased with with, with uh, those in authority over you. You're like, "How do I please my boss? Well, I got to do my good work. I got to make sure I get my, my project done on time. I got to be a good employee. I got to... If I do enough good stuff, the people, will, the people around me will love me, they'll, they'll approve of me, and, and they'll, they'll be pleased with me. Fortunately, that's not how God sees the world. Uh, it's not surprising that he sees it differently than us, but uh, Hebrews 11.6 tells us this. this is, we don't have, we're not like without hope. God tells us exactly how he is pleased. Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith, it is impossible. Whomever would draw near to God must believe he exists, that he rewards those who seek him. See, if you want to please God, that's what pleases God. So who is the peace on earth for? Among those whom he is pleased with. Well, who is he pleased with? Those who believe. Not those who have a bunch of good works, not those who have accomplished a lot, not those who gave the most. Who worships Jesus, who trusts Jesus, who has faith in Jesus, that's what he's believed in. See, the, the demons and, and, and Satan, they don't have faith. They don't have saving faith. They have intellectual knowledge that God exists. They rebel against it. The angels look upon Christ and say, that's our Lord, that's our Savior, that's our King. We worship you. We worship you. We trust you. We believe in you. See, for the Christian, what makes one a Christian is putting your faith in, your hope, your trust—all the same word—in Jesus. It, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You must believe He exists, and that He—not just that He exists, but that he, he rewards those who seek Him. It's those whom He has well pleased, and it it's through faith that you now have peace, peace with God. And that word "peace" doesn't just simply mean just not enmity, simply but wholeness, restoration. Restore Full life restoration of the power and presence of God. Only comes through faith in Jesus. The Old Testament has two different words when it comes to worship. So you can see the first one, this is a type of adoration. We adore Jesus with our affections, our emotions, our song. This is adoration. There's another word uh, that, that, that's used to also mean worship, often translate to serve. It's a word, it's an action. We worship Jesus, not just like our adoration, but our response and worship should be action. Here's the response in verse 15 of the, the shepherds. Once they hear the news, they hear the angels rejoice. How do they respond? When the angels went away from heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let us go. Let us go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened which Christ the Lord, which the Lord has made known to us. Look at this. They're like, they hear the news and what do they say? Let's go, action. Let's worship, action. Let's go to Bethlehem. Notice that they don't sit there and philosophize about the news. It's either they receive the news or they reject the news. Hey, go see the the king born or not go see the king. They hear that every time you hear the gospel of Jesus, this is your opportunity. You can respond with worship, adoration and action, or you can just dismiss it. They hear the news and say, let's go. Let's go see the thing that has happened. Notice they don't go, let's go see if it if it has happened. I wonder if it has They're just convinced it has happened. Let us go to Bethlehem to see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Some of you today, the Lord wants to make known to you that Jesus Christ is your Savior and your Lord, and you want you to believe upon him and have new life. And what do they do? Verse 16, and they went with haste. They're like gonna sprint, they're, they're racing each other and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And they saw it and they made known to, uh, they, may, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. So they see Jesus, they see Mary, they see Joseph, they're worshiping, and they're like, guys, guess what? The angels told us you were here. We're really here. God loves you guys. God loves this child. He's like the Savior. He's been, uh, this has been made known to us. And they're like, I know. We were too. In verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. And Mary treasured up these things and pondered in her heart. And the shepherds returned. God, they, oh yeah, we got the sheep out there. They, retor- they returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them." Their response, adoration, and then action. Action. See, the, the news of Jesus demands action. It means that in, it's not action by works; it's act, the action that God demands is faith. It's what repentance looks like. That first act of repentance is turned from unbelief to See, when, when God calls us to repent of our sin, when we first become Christians, it's not turn from your life and do everything right. It's turn from disobedience, sorry, turn from disbelief, unbelief, to belief, to faith. And, if you're, and that's how you become a Christian. If you wanna become a Christian today, you go from your unbelief to belief. That's your action step. If you're not a Christian, that's your action step. You go from unbelief now to belief. I trust you, Jesus. And then you do like the shepherds. and are going, to, let me go figure some more. Let me go examine this for myself. I believe it, but let me keep asking questions. Let me read God's word. Let me continue to figure out uh, what, what God has said concerning these matters. But the first step is not go no, read the Bible completely and then maybe you get baptized and maybe you have a conversation and maybe, 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 maybe you'll eventually become a Christian. No, the first step is going from unbelief to belief. And from there, you can take action steps towards uh reading the scriptures and having conversations, but to become a Christian, you have to do nothing other than believe. Salvation is not by works at all. It's only through faith, only through faith. Now, if you are a Christian, you came in here today, you know, love and trust Jesus. Your action step today is adoration and worship, but you're also a life of action in obedience to Jesus because he is your savior and What does his word say? Do you believe it? Do you trust it? Do you love it? Do you run to it? Do you take your cues from it? So we are celebrating today. We'll celebrate tomorrow. You will with your families. We're celebrating the news, but also the historical event of the birth of our King Jesus. And as we celebrate Christmas, let us actually look to Christ. Let's see him. As the shepherds did, they went to go lay eyes on him. Let's see him. Let's remember him. Let's celebrate him. Let's commemorate him. Let's, let's enjoy this great thing that has happened. That now, through faith in the Lord Jesus, what the news of the gospel and glory of God has been made known to us, which gives us cause to celebrate. In like verse 20, it says this, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. For all that they had heard, seen, and had been told to them. And Mary's response in verse 19 was that she treasured up these things and pondered these things in her life. There's two responses for the Christian today. To wonder, to be in awe, to ponder, to meditate, to think upon, to, to set your heart and mind towards the, the true, accurate events around Jesus, his birth, but not just as historical events, but the application they have to your life, that you have a good God, a Savior, and King. That, that when you look at his life, you see his birth, you see his sinless life, you see his death, you see his resurrection, you see it all. You see the great length, therefore, that Jesus went to save you. I don't know if you bought any Christmas presents this week, or this month. But if you did, you paid money and some of you, maybe, you looked at a gift, like I did, and said, that costs too much. I cannot afford that, and I'm not going to buy that. We'll move on to another. If you've done that. The reason why the reason why I, that, 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 that article of clothing, whatever it was, uh, was not worth the price on that price tag. Now, there's other things I paid for that I would have paid a lot more for because I, I wanted that even more. Right? So value in our system and the way we, we understand value is not determined by some inequality in, in, in some sort of uh, being and or uh, item that we want to buy. But value is determined by the length that you will go to possess that thing. I'll pay $100 for it. I'll pay $200 for it. I'll pay $300 for it. Whatever value you see something as is, is proven by what you're willing to spend to obtain it. Jesus looked upon you I said, I want that man, I want that woman to be in my family, and the price I will pay is my life. Some of you need to ponder that. Meditate on that. Think upon the link that Jesus went to save you. Be in awe. Be in wonder. Believe what is true, that God loves you. He has a high price tag and value on you, no matter what people think about you, what you think of yourself, what the accuser would say to you night and day. He looks upon you and says, beloved child, mine. If you're not a Christian, you need to see that that's how God sees you. He wants you to look upon him in faith and become a Christian and experience that type of love. Some of you need to move from pondering Getting in the car, going home, praising God, turning up the music, singing, shouts of joy, and go to a party somewhere like the like the shepherds, verse twenty. That's what they did. Like just imagine, like how they were returning to the field to get their sheep. They're like just talking about the events surrounding Jesus' birth. They're praising God. They're high fiving one another. They're loud. Like they don't need energy drinks. They got it all. Some of you today, that is what God is calling you to do, is just celebrate, to commemorate, to enjoy, to worship, whether it's through pondering or through loud shouts of joy. We're going to help you by by cranking up the music, and we're going to worship Jesus. And we're going to do it in a couple of tangible ways. I'm going to pray for us. Pastor Alex is going to come lead us in communion. But those two ways that we're going to respond in worship with our adoration what our action today is, number one, through action, through partaking of the Lord's Supper, remembering the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus. The only reason why Christmas is good news is because Easter is better news. That's what we're going to remember. And then we're going to sing. We're going to sing loud. We're going to sing with hearts full of joy. We're going to celebrate. We're going to commemorate the birth of Christ the King. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are our good God and King. And we adore you. We look up to you. We praise you. We ask that you fill our hearts with wonder, with awe, with glory and praise. Do your name. May we leave here shouting for joy like the shepherds, glorifying you and praising you, you, Lord Jesus. Not just now, not just tonight, but into tomorrow and into tomorrow's evening and into the new year. May we just be a people who adore you and worship you with our action and with our adoration. Move the power among us as we respond, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen.